Hello, heroes. So here's the deal. In this episode, Zencaster did me a little dirty and was recording on my laptop's internal microphone instead of through my uh, nice microphone that I'm recording into right now. So Evan's audio track sounds fine. Mine sounds like I am an amateur. So I think that it is okay and listenable. I think that you'll just get used to it and, uh, you know, eventually enjoy the dulcet tones of my echo-ridden voice. But uh, that's what you get today. Enjoy. Hey. Hello. Yo. (laughs) I'm really happy today because... We are recording this design doc like a little over a week after we recorded our last design doc, two weeks after. That's pretty good for us. This has maybe happened once before. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is a big deal for us. So we recorded just two weeks ago, and I don't know, where are we at? Well... In our last recording, we talked about being in this period after finishing mud, before starting the next thing, and how we wanted to use this time that didn't have a scheduled big project sort of commanding our attention. And we gave a bunch of examples of the things that we wanted to do. And I think we can say we've been doing a bunch of that stuff. We've definitely been doing a bunch of that stuff. I don't know. Should we say what some of that stuff is? Yeah. Ours? Ours? Yeah. <laughs> Let's say what it ours. What it are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this has been an amazing two weeks of not having to jump immediately into another project and intentionally not jumping into another project. Something that I've really liked that we've done during these two weeks is updating our, just like (laughs) updating ours, (laughs) (laughs) updating our website and itch.io pages slowly, it's not finished yet, to just like have the polished look that we've wanted for years and like, just like these little little tasks that we've just been kicking down the road, like make new cards for our itch.io projects, new little graphics, graphical cards that are sized properly for itch.io, where when somebody comes to the page, they see your game and the title. Um, We're not finished yet. I mean, like when you go to our itch.io page, Questlandia, original Questlandia, because I think it just didn't know what itch.io was years ago when we first started using it. It's like, a snippet of the cover image from Questlandia, no title. It's just like a picture of a yellow landscape and it's not even sized right. So it sort of has that iPhone YouTube video thing where it's like, you know, letterboxed on all sides. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like a picture of a yellow landscape with some blue sky. So that still needs some work. Yeah, but it's like we've been doing... We've been doing stuff like that, and it yeah, feels good. Yeah, chomping away at those tasks has been really satisfying. I mean, at this point, I feel like our website 
homepage is almost exactly how I want it to be. Yeah. There's, you know, when, when you start clicking on things, then you get into iffier territory. But like, <laughs> <laughs> it like redirects you to boner pills and stuff <laughs> almost immediately. <laughs> Goes straight to Zombocom. Um, wow, that's a, that's a throwback. Um, I don't know why. That's been on my mind lately. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's all the website work. I'm just thinking about my ideals. Uh-huh. But it has been very satisfying to be making those changes. There's still a lot to do there. I mean, it's it's also a little easy to underestimate how much work it is to revamp a website. Yeah, which we talked about mm-hmm. in our last episode. Um yeah, giving space to I mean, I used to get so impatient and I still can get a little impatient but it's like in my mind the task of updating you know the Norlandia page or making a new page when we launched a game was just like I was like what's this like 45 minutes and then hours would go by and we would still be working on it and I would just like be have this growing sense of aggravation (laughs) (laughs) and impatience because there was always something else to be doing that felt more like more of a priority. Mm -hmm. Um, But putting in these full days of work where like all we do in that day is update two itchio games and it takes the whole day. And that's what it takes. I will say it's very satisfying work in a certain sense because like when we were working on mud for instance it takes months and in any given day it's like you make a little bit of progress you're not even sure if you're going to get to keep that progress or if it's going to have to be redone re-edited in another pass but with this work it's like you might only get two itchio project pages done yeah but they're done it's like over the course of the day, it's like, oh, there is stuff that is crossed oh, off. Oh, of yeah, the being list able to actually cross forever. things off the to do list instead of being like, we worked, we continued to work on the game that we're working on, <laughs> which is great. Like, I mean, you know, and we, we also do things where we make like little micro to do lists of things like finish this page in mud that where this sentence needs to be rewritten, but this feels like vacuuming where like you bring out the vacuum and then afterwards you can see those lines in the carpet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's nice. It's rewarding. I actually feel like it might have a little bit to do with our design doc schedule as well. Because sometimes we get into a stretch where it's like seven weeks and it just feels like, all that we've been doing is working on mud. It's like there's no there's no check marks, no completed things, no different parts of the project. It just feels like it those are t- hard yeah. times to write a project update too because it just feels like we are keeping on, keeping on. But we did a million things over the last 2 weeks. One thing that we did this week that we've been saying we're going to do for years is make 
like a little retailer spreadsheet and start to do some outreach to retailers about whether they want to stock our games. Um, so sent out one message to mm -hmm. a local game store who I will not slight for not messaging us back yet. Uh, but that was, but then that was balanced out by like this really cool bookstore called the bookshop co-op out in the Midwest messaging us wanting to carry our games. And then they sold out of our games and now they ordered more games. And that's like, it's such a validating feeling. And it feels like, like it really validates what we were talking about in the last episode, which is just like how hard it is to get your games in front of actual physical people. And, and that the feeling that like we did yeah. that and that our games that people bought them, I'm just like, Oh my God. <laughs> It feels really good. It's so good. It makes me want to reach out to a thousand more Yeah, shops. well, we're going to do that. We're just going to make some... <laughs> yeah. So if you could just get on that. We're going to make some sort of spammy script and just get our erection medication in the hands of every local bookstore uh, in a 30-mile radius. Mm -hmm. So We're really branching out. Um. Okay. How to transition from that. Anything else that's like something that you or I have been working on that's not this like deadline motivated project oriented work? You feel like talking about top tracks? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Did we mention top tracks in the last episode? I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe we've we maybe have alluded to it. I don't know if we've ever said it by name. Whoa. It's like Beetlejuice. Like it's like <laughs> if you say it three times, it's like summoned into your life and then you have to confront it. So brief recap of Top Tracks. The Top Tracks project is a fictional magazine that was promised as a stretch goal, I think, for Damn the Man Save the Music. Yeah, I can't remember if it was a stretch goal or part or built into a higher backer level. And the deal is that it would feature a number of fictional 90s bands and like their albums, album art, maybe some lyrics or something. It's a place where our stretch goal authors would have their work featured. And in addition, high level backers could get their own bands into that magazine. That would then be something that you could have at the table while you played Damn the Man, Save the Music so that you could reference 90s songs without it turning into a game of who gets the reference because it's all made up. Yeah. So Damn the Man kickstarted in 2017 and top tracks we still haven't delivered on. Um, and... Uh, I feel so bad about it. It's one of those things where, like, I don't know backers. Enough time has passed now that nobody's been pestering us about it. Not that time passing changes who pesters you about something. If people were pestering us or asking about it, it would be totally like 
it would be within the realm of what's appropriate for somebody to wonder what happened to this band that they submitted to us like years ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, something went wrong with Top Tracks. Like a lot of things went wrong with Top Tracks. And it's, I don't know how many people still remember that it's due, but I do. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have like, I have nightmares about it. It's just one of those things where I feel, I just feel so bad about how wrong we, we got this one. Um, so yeah, I'm I want to talk a little bit about like why, why it went so wrong, but then kind of move past it and be like, we're doing it now. Yeah. Because I know this isn't an episode about like what it looks like to overpromise on a Kickstarter or what rewards end up being too much. I mean, so one, one thing was that damn the man we delivered on time and that was like really cool. <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. and then we were working on top tracks like alongside it. Uh, but I think probably was, there was that natural burnout of having done a crunch to finish a project. And then immediately we were like, Oh, we promised to basically make this like small magazine and like making a magazine is really intense. Like this layout is actually right. harder in some ways than the layout of a role-playing game. Like every single page had to look glossy and pulled together and it was also like a magazine that was emulating the 90s style and I immediately found myself sort of pushing up against my graphic design uh I don't know good being good at graphic design (laughs) um (laughs) and then uh, things were just tough from there I mean anytime that you have to ask people for submissions you're sort of you're dealing with actual people um we had some issues with like timing of stretch goal writers and stuff. We lost a stretch goal author, but like none of that adds up to it being 2021. (laughs) So I don't know. I'm curious for you what, like it's not done yet. And it is. uh, I mean, those challenges pushed it back to the point where it tipped over into overlapping with the next big project, right? Yeah. And like, that's what really kicked it to the curb was like, once the next big project with all of its deadlines and pressures was in motion, it was really hard to justify the time that this extra promise needed to complete. It was really hard to find it. It's kind of like, Kickstarter 101 to be like, if you are going to overpromise on rewards, like you have to commit to fulfilling those rewards before you just launch your next project. And it's, uh, it's just bad. We did bad. Um, and, you know, I mean, we've. T- I mean, I want to say something in our defense, which is that it's a privilege to be able to afford to properly address all your mistakes, to properly space all your projects, to give yourself time to recover from burnout. Like, that's a privilege and often a financial privilege. And the pressures that were on us weren't just, it's not like we were just lazy or irresponsible no that's that's true and you know i mean at the time the next project that came after dan the man was 
good dog, bad zombie. And, you know, we were working as a co-op as part of Make Big Things. And part of our promise was that everybody kind of would get their spotlight project. And Good Dog, Bad Zombie was Brian's spotlight project. And, you know, Brian had come on to make big things and hadn't gotten a project yet. Like it had been the role-playing games. And it was really important for us to like try to stick to a timeline and make sure that everybody got their their moment. Um, And, you know, and then obviously Good Dog, Bad Zombie was just a bonkers Kickstarter. And, uh, you know, that's... (laughs) You're all caught up. That's been like two years of yeah. talking about this in Design Doc is what, what that Kickstarter was like. So it reminds me a little bit of a conversation I saw about a video game, Terraria, where Terraria finished years and years and years ago, but since then has been giving free updates that have added a ton of content. And there was some just forum thread being like, you know, another massive update with tons of content, completely free for everyone who bought it. Like, that's the way to do it. Other developers take note. Like, and there were some responses that were like, well, sure, that's the way to do it when you have a smash success game that is paying all your bills yeah. and you can afford to do it. <laughs> so, yeah you know, have ample time to recover from the burnout, you know, plenty of time to finish your initial project and don't start the next thing until you've done everything and everything you've promised. It's easy to say as advice, but what that advice is going to be pressing up against is the actual limitations of your time, your energy, and your money. It's okay. That's that's the the little bit of like fairness I want to give to the the make big things of the past. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm so I feel like I feel so resistant to like being defensive about top tracks because at the end of the day it's just like I want to get it done and it's a promise that we made. Uh, and we've just I feel like now we are in a better place to just know also what it looks like to make realistic promises based on the resources right. you have, like financial and person, person power. Um, they're just not like, those aren't the types of rewards that I think we'll be promising in the future for a lot of reasons, but uh, we had to learn. And mm-hmm. yeah. And speaking of deadline motivated, I feel like maybe I'm seeing a trend in some Kickstarters with being less stretch goal motivated, or at least with stretch goals, like honoring paying people more instead of just like stacking content. I don't know if it's true. I'm just going to keep saying it because it's the world that I want to live in. So definitely. um, (laughs) But so that's top track. So yeah, so we opened up top tracks. We open it up every few months and we do a little bit more on it because it's been at this like almost done point, but also not even done at all because it hasn't been that good point for like years. Um, So we opened it up last week and it feels bad. Like it feels bad to look at it. It feels hard to look at it. It feels bad to know that the excitement moment of damn, the man has passed. And that, you know, a lot of people who maybe would have really loved this reward a few years ago 
are going to get it now and be like, okay, <laughs> thanks guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe there will be like this beautiful world in which it makes somebody want to play the game again or for the first time. Yeah. I mean, part of the goal is to like, try not to just drag ourselves over the finish line with this, but to revitalize a little bit of the energy around it and like, be like, okay, well, how can we make it not just done, but something we're proud of, something that's cool? Yeah. And can we get it to a point where it doesn't feel like we have to present this in tears? <laughs> begging for forgiveness but instead have an energy of like acknowledging that it's late but also being excited about it and trying to make an excitement point for damn the man and give the damn the man project some of the enthusiasm that it deserves yeah but it's a little hard it, it definitely is like a demoralizing starting place <laughs> Yes. And also, I feel like maybe there's like some psychic burden that we don't even realize we're carrying that like when Top Tracks is done, we may just both like ascend. Right. Like instant enlightenment. Boom. So there's that to look forward <laughs> yeah. to. Somebody else is going to have to, we're going to have to start to find the next host for Design Doc now because we're just going to be like, you know, yeah. rockets straight up. You'll just up. hear the thrumming of pure energy <laughs> in the next podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's been a project. <laughs> so this transitions well into our next topic, which is just like part of these weeks have been confronting the difficulty of prioritizing things that aren't on a deadline and more and more our work now like we're gonna try to bake that into our time and our work is like okay rather than always just chasing the next project like we we got to make time for all this other stuff it is like it is an inherent part of the work but it's mushy like it's a little bit mushier when you're like what about like the Ichio cards don't have a deadline the same way that finishing mud and getting it out to backers because we said we were going to get it out in April and now it's July. Yeah. I feel like this relates to something we've touched on in Design Doc in the past. I remember us talking about scheduling playtests and just being like, well, we put a playtest on the calendar for two weeks, so we got to design the next playtest. Yeah, we have to gotta design make the, the game. game. Ready. <laughs> and that's a strategy for using deadlines to motivate the work, right? And not just deadlines in that case. It's also like peer pressure, I guess, like a social pressure. Yeah other people are being brought into the commitment at that point. And so now we have a bunch of work on our plate that doesn't have a deadline motivation and doesn't have a, uh, a social pressure. 
a social, what's the word, like a social commitment to it. Mm -hmm. It's just update the Itch.io pages, like fix the website, get the email newsletter set up. Lots and lots and lots of things that don't have that, those pressures that we have relied on to get so much of our work done over the years. It's a little uncomfortable, I found, because it has a little bit of an aimless feeling to be looking at a list of 30 things and to feel like, well, they're all in a sort of murky middle zone of priority of whether they need to get done today or tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. And the work is more boring than being like, let's just come up with a new idea for a game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like, yes, and like, like coming up with a new idea for a game is pretty top tier that's as far as the work goes. It's like, it is the most fun part of the entire process. And it's so free. It's just like, it's free. It's yeah. free in what it represents. It's free in its commitments. It's just like free free money, but the money is <laughs> coming up with an idea and not having to money. money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That said though, this is still satisfying work. Like it is, it's kind of fun to design the homepage of a website and to think about like, what's the ideal? How could it be the best? It's not without satisfaction, but I feel like I'm having to confront an absence of some of the coping strategies that I've had for getting work done since grade school. Yeah. Which is, you know, like I was always the kind of student where if you had a month long project, I would start working two days before the deadline max. Like I needed that concentrated dose of deadline terror yeah to get it done <laughs> i know it's but i think that that old episode we had called something like deadline motivated but deadline terror really uh is kind of what it was like <laughs> back in school yeah i mean i i feel like also something that i had said to you the other day was that with this sort of abrupt shift in pace and like with mud being over and now suddenly with things being a little less clear in terms of our direction for which of these next, like which of these projects to take on that are that's small and we've been delaying for years. Like I felt a little depressed. I kind of yeah. crashed for a few days. And I think some of that is just like, it was an abrupt, it's an abrupt change in momentum like the speed is just suddenly so different. Uh, like there's probably some sort of weird adrenaline crash. And also just like, it's not, we got familiar or at least I did like got familiar with what it looked like to put in these long days on mud or on Dan the man or whatever the project of the moment was like the work. I got into a rhythm with the work and this work just has a totally different rhythm. Sometimes it doesn't really have yeah. a rhythm. Like sometimes it's like, there's no rhythm to updating one website page and then making a graphic for itch.io like they're different mm -hmm. projects. And so it can be like you sort of jar yourself from one 
task to the other. And we just don't have any strategies for like baking that into a natural part of the work. And we're learning them. Another part of it that's been dispiriting for me is there's a difference in the familiarity and expertise that we have developed for making a game, bringing it to Kickstarter, making the Kickstarter page, running the Kickstarter, then actually finishing the design of the game, updating the Kickstarter about progress, designing, laying out, printing, shipping. That whole process we've developed a lot of proficiency in, and I feel really confident and good about our abilities. And then when we turn to the store, like having a web store, it looks like like a dusty, cobwebbed, cluttered closet <laughs> comparatively to the like Apple store feeling of our like Kickstarter yeah. routine. Like we, this is work that we haven't done to our satisfaction ever. And it's difficult and it feels like a, it's sort of, what's the word? It's like, we don't have a lot of people who come to our web store, right? Mm-hmm. Like growing a web store is its own project that is a long-term one of gradually having ways that people go there and buy what you've made. And it feels embarrassingly like we're just at the very beginning of that, despite having done this for years and years and years. Yeah. And so that's a little demoralizing. It's like, on one hand, we have this routine that we are very proficient in. On the other hand, we have this stuff that where it's like, oh, we can't even start working on this yet until we clear away all the spiders. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just like, I mean, it would be one thing if we were just making, I don't know, a page showing off. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some, like some, (laughs) it would be one thing if, if money wasn't involved, but I mean, part of this is also like refining our air quotes, advertising voice. And that's, it's an uncomfortable voice. Some people don't find it uncomfortable, but for me, it's an uncomfortable voice. I don't always know how to say, buy our things. I don't always like I don't always nail it. I mean, I've talked about this before. Like, it's just, that's, I'm still learning what that, like, buy the things we made voice looks like for me and for Turtle Mm -hmm. Bun. And it's like a little bit awkward wading through that, like, social media energy, how to be cool without being fake. That's nobody ever has said how to be cool in that voice and has been cool. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody in the history Nobody of Nobody until time. now. Until now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the type of stuff that we're learning. Um, yeah. So one reaction I'm noticing in myself as we do this work is like a desire to get back in the fast lane and be like, okay, 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 let's let's pick the next big project and get going on it 
to get that rush. And I'm trying to resist that. Not too much. Like that is that's the part of the plan <laughs> that's gonna happen. Yeah. But it's really important, I think, to give space to these undeadlined projects. Yeah, there's always been this thing for me where, you know, I look at my personal calendar and say that I'm, <laughs> it's like, I look at it and maybe I've booked one day a week, I've like booked Wednesday as the day where I'm not supposed to schedule anything. And then Wednesday becomes a great day to schedule things <laughs> because it's this right. open day and open means that I'm being lazy or not using my time effectively. And the reality of that is that that's not an open day. That's like a day to do the important self work and life work that you have to have to do um, because it's not sustainable to just jam pack your schedule to the extent that you can't get anything done and you start failing on commitments. So leaving that open time and not treating it as just open time. Right. It's not, it's not negative space. There is something in that space already. It cannot be filled Mm -hmm. because it is already full. You know, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, these might be good titles. <laughs> I feel like this is something that's been a, I mean, last week we talked about having these weeks where we felt like we had the time to slow down and address these other things. I think we described it as a privilege. Yeah. And I think that's right. I think that's something that we haven't had much of by some mix of not having the privilege and not having the interest in the past to make this kind of space to like intentionally push out these gaps and say that we're going to be doing very meaningful work within them. And that's how you end up with stuff like top tracks being as late as it is being bottom tracks oh yeah oh that's catchy (laughs) (laughs) is it um so it feels good but there's sort of some things that we're trying to figure out like okay we are going to be transitioning back into a major Kickstarter track project. And just yesterday, we talked a little bit about, like, what's that going to be? What's the timeline for it? What's the next few months? What are the next few months going to look like? And I think I was the one pushing for that. I was like, let's get something back on the calendar. Let's get a, let's get like that long-term goal feeling where it's like we're working towards something that's months away as opposed to these smaller projects that are always a day or two to chip away at. Yeah. And over the course of the conversation we're having now, it's making me feel more cautious about that. I'm like, okay, well, we need to make sure that we don't rush so quickly into it that we don't complete the good work that's on our plate currently. And we need to think a little bit about how when we are in that mode of 
having a big deadline and a big project, how can we still maintain some gaps in which to work on these other projects, our undeadlined friends and family? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one thing that we've said in our discussions over the past few months is that, you know, the next project that we kickstart, whether it's Questlandia 1.5 or Questlandia 2 or Starship Ultralux, that we're going to try to basically have it done, like have it just so much closer to done so that, you know, the Kickstarter ends up being more like a pre-order where we can just feel like like we don't have to have any question marks about what the work is going to look like because that work is done and the only stretch goal is the foil stamped cover and paying us enough to like I don't know go to Sephora that's mine go to mm-hmm. Sephora <laughs> <laughs> like I don't need La Mer but I want like ever a step down from La Mer's. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, the thing is that, and we've said this, is that that is that in itself is a huge privilege. Like being able right. to make, and this is one of the things that's like kind of fucked up about Kickstarter, is that like Kickstarter has given a platform more and more to these like to companies that have the money and staff to be presenting a finished game. And that sometimes like, sometimes it is hard to see from the outside as somebody who buys games that like this game is finished for a reason. This has like money and many people and financial backing behind it. And these people could put like thousands of dollars into advertising and they have a full-time graphic designer and like uh, you, the art you prepaid for all of the art. And somebody like us kickstarting Questlandia one years ago, uh-huh. where I don't know. I mean, you <laughs> you did the art. You've, well, you've always done the art, um, and where we were like, how do you make a page heading? That seems like pretty yeah. advanced. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> yeah. I love Kickstarter as this place to fund ideas and not finish things. Clearly, that's a lot of where a lot of the breakdown happens too for backers, for creators, and we may just be people who need to get something closer to done to be able to not overpromise and to feel lucky that we're in the position to have that time and like maybe a little bit of cushion, a little cushion of money to do that. Yeah, I mean, it really somewhat just comes down to the absolute basics of like rent and food. Like, if you can afford rent and food and utilities, if you can afford the basics of living, then that means you have time, time to work beforehand on getting something done. If you're missing the money to pay for those necessities, then you don't have that time. And Kickstarter is kind, like the promise of Kickstarter is that it can help people in that position to get the money they need to have the time. But it is less a problem with Kickstarter and more a problem with 
the structure of our society that if you are in a position where you can already afford those basics and more, then you are going to have enormous advantages in your capacity to do the work ahead of time so you don't have to make wild estimates of how long it's going to take. So you won't be going through setbacks that are public. You know, your image will be somebody as very trustworthy and reliable because your mistakes are made uh, privately <laughs> outside of the public eye. Yeah. And you'll have a more finished, beautiful thing to present. Maybe I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent, though. I don't, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to turn every episode into we should restructure our society. I mean, I think that at this point, that's what everybody knows they're here for. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> that we are just like socialist moles here to ruin gaming. I don't know. Eventually, we will successfully destroy gaming. <laughs> um, uh, I don't even like making those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Just folks. Kidding. <laughs> gaming is safe. We love gaming. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I feel like that's, uh, that's, that's what we got for this week. Yeah, that's what we're up to. Tune in next time to see if we successfully destroyed uh, gaming. Avoid. No, that was better. That was better than what I was going to (laughs) say. Oh, thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, wait. No, I should just say, I think we say our email before, right? Yeah. Our email. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Email us. With uh, your your plea for gaming to continue to exist. <laughs> no, don't do it, Hannah and Evan. Don't kill gaming. Please. Try begging. <laughs> you can get in touch with us by email at designdocpod at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us your pleas. Um, which is just at Design Doc Pod. Mm-hmm. And you can also talk about recent episodes of Design Doc on the Turtle Bun Discord. Um, I'm not going to say it's bumping in there, but you know, it's like the beat is growing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the bass <laughs> hasn't dropped yet, but you might be the person to drop it. So. Um, you can find a link to join the Discord on our website at turtlebun.com and in the episode show notes. And uh, thanks again for being here. The Design Doc intro-outro theme was written by our friend, musician Pat King. Thank you, Pat. Design Doc is brought to you by the Turtle Bun Patreon. Thank you to this month's new patron, our friend Drew. Drew, you've been a real pal. Drew, Drew's great. <laughs> I should, Drew's so great. I, was, I meant to like pre-write something about Drew, but the goodness of Drew 
I don't think can really be conveyed in words. Drew, you said nice things about design talk. I know. Drew's, Drew's a longtime friend. I was chuffed. <laughs> Drew's, Drew's a friend <laughs> dating back from our college days and has recently been listening. And it's just like, it just, it makes, it makes you blush a little, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So thank you for being here, Drew. Um, and if you want to become a patron, you can join us for as low as $2 a month at patreon.com slash turtlebun. Design Doc is hosted by the One Shot Podcast Network. So enunciative. I just wanted them to get every consonant they deserve. <laughs> They're so great. They host us. That's so nice of them. It's really kind. Yeah. They also host other podcasts. That's what makes them a network. (laughs) (laughs) Like? Like Modifier. Modifier is an interview show hosted by Megan Dornbrock, all about why and how people change games. From the hobbyist to the professional, from house rules to publication, we all have in mind a better way to play. What's yours? Thanks again for listening, heroes. We will see you real soon.